Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, we've all got plenty on our to-do lists. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese? They want pizza? And somebody, for some reason, is craving Froyo. There's something for everybody on DoorDash. You can also continue to support restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that all need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants by using DoorDash. They're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely left outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BASKETBALL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BASKETBALL. Don't forget, that's code BASKETBALL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we preview Nuggets Lakers, we talk about the Clippers chemistry issues, and another installment of, is this a thing? This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nerdish You Wrote. I'm uh, Dave Dufour. Seth, Mo, you guys are here. Hi. Uh, <laughs> we're doing okay. You know, uh, the playoffs have been pretty good. It's been a lot of fun. They've been, they've been great, man. Pretty, pretty good. They've been great. I've enjoyed them. The uh, the the Boston Miami game one, Nuggets Clippers game seven doubleheader. I mean, that's two of the best basketball games back to back I've ever seen. It was just so much fun. I actually rarely will I rewatch a game right after I've watched it. Normally, I like to wait until the next day, but I rewatched Nuggets Clippers immediately after that game. Well, I recorded the ding and then watched it. And um, I just couldn't believe how fired up I was after that game. It was, it, it was, it was, it was so good. It made me forget stuff from the previous game when we went on the ding. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> completely forgot about the Bam Adebayo block. Uh, but we're now we're here. We're conference finals time. Uh, obviously, we've got Boston and Miami on one side, and and as we're recording that, that's this series is one zero Miami. They're going to play tonight, uh, but. Nuggets Lakers game one tomorrow uh, for us recording today on Thursday. Uh, Nuggets Lakers is a very interesting matchup, not one that anybody could have predicted. I think certainly not many predicted it. I think everyone was going into the playoffs was just kind of marked their calendar for when the Battle of LA in Florida, uh, you know, starts, and and that's not what we're getting and. Um, Deservedly so, you'd have to say, with with how well uh, Denver pretty much handled the Lakers in or the Clippers, excuse me, in the the second half of. Uh, are you call? Are you are you saying Denver's going to handle the Lakers now? Is that a Freudian slip? Are we getting this is listen, this is what's listen. coming? <laughs> no, see, I'm already getting it from from uh, the the a certain comment about pats on the head has uh, has has found its way back to me, and just you know, again for the record. I did not say that I was saying that I was describing the behavior of the collective media, which is, was accurate. And and boy, do we collectively look dumb now. 
Well, and I don't know that we look dumb because we always have talked about that them being a very good team, a good team, maybe not a very good team, but a good team at least. Good teams do this. And then we right? pat them on the head and say, nice season. Right. And and honestly, there's going to be a lot of that over the course of the next two weeks where people just give them credit for making the conference finals and still expect them to just get dog walked by the Lakers. Now, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, part of it, let's just, let's just first say also, they went down 3-1 in both series. Like, it's not like they're, this is a dominant performance across the board, although they were dominant in game seven against the Clippers, which was shocking, but it wasn't like, you know, they came out and they swept the Clippers or, you know, four one or something like that. Right. Like they had to go face the brink of elimination both times, even against Utah and then kind of show up. So, you know, let's, let's add some context to that though. Remember they didn't have Gary Harris for the first five games of the Utah series, guys have been in and out of the lineup for them. I mean, Jamal Murray came into the playoffs kind of injured. The The entire bubble experience for them has been like using popsicle sticks and duct tape to try to repair their roster. I mean, they're still down Will Barton. So I, I think it's pretty impressive that they were able to make it to the conference finals. No, absolutely. I'm not taking anything away, Dave, from what Denver yeah. has done. But I just okay. think like when we go – because and, and they deserve it, all the praise they're going to get. But let's also not go too far into the this is amazing. And I think they're they're a great team. I think they're going to be poised to really be set up for some stuff in the future. But like, let's also I'm pumped the brakes a little bit on that. We don't need to go ninety miles per hour into that. We can we can go down to fifty. Dave, do you hear that sound? You know what yes. that is? That's that's Mo <laughs> sharpening his knives. For when we start talking about the Clippers. They, they don't need to be sharpened. They've been sharp all year. This is – I mean, I, I've, here's the thing. Everybody's just repeating what I've been saying since December. Well, we we talked about that on this show in December that we had our concerns about the Clippers. But I want to stick to the Nuggets and Lakers uh, because that's the series that's in front of us. And one of these teams is going to go to the finals. Um, just right off the top of your head, guys, uh, how do you just – how do you see this matchup going? I want to start there and then work our way back through the matchups. So, you know, clearly the Lakers are the better team. They were in the regular season. They've looked better in the playoffs. I'd even say like their defense in the last couple of games against Houston has looked as good as it's looked all year. I mean, that, that defense looks really strong right now. So an interesting thing about that is this is a completely different challenge. Um, I think it's actually a little bit like what the Clippers face going from round one to round two, where sort of by the end of the Dallas series, they seemed like they had it locked in a little bit. And that's because Houston, like Dallas, is a very uh, stationary one guy, surveys, creates, does everything. So yeah, that creates different difficult problems, but it's not like it's a secret where guys are. And there's not a lot of you know, preparatory movement to get the defense leaning the wrong way and stuff like that. Whereas uh, Denver, uh, along with another uh, the other surprise conference finalist, I think Miami, has been one of the better teams, you know, kind of all year and certainly in the bubble at using kind of uh, multiple player movement actions to kind of get into stuff. So while, yeah, Los Angeles did well against, you know, you know, Harden and, and and Lillard in kind of a stand and watch offense. It's not quite the same thing for a team that's going to put just more stuff in front of them. Yeah, but I also think like when you look at the Lakers, I mean, first off, they've played well against Denver all year. Their one loss was uh, a game in which LeBron didn't play and they got blown out. And obviously, if LeBron doesn't play a game, they're going to get blown out. The the thing with with this Laker team is, you know, sometimes it takes them a game to figure it out. Like, I won't be shocked, Dave, if they lose game one just because it takes them a game to figure it out. I mean, it, it took them a second to see the way Portland was coming at things. It took them a second to see Houston. I mean, LeBron even said after game one of the Houston game, it's like, I forgot how fast this team moves in terms of just the pace and everything like that. So there'll be adjustments and things that go with it. But overall, I just think, you know, there's a, I, I like the Lakers IQ in terms of how they're going to handle this defensively. And I think it even starts all the way with, with Vogel who, you know, we never talk about how good of a job he's done 
with this team all year. And everybody's going to just say, well, he has LeBron. He's supposed to. Well, we've seen LeBron not do so well in the regular season, but he's gotten LeBron to buy in and make a lot of buy into the whole system and, and drive it. So, you know, for me, I just think the Lakers are, are in a better position. I think their defense is going to be just fine also because they do a lot of cutting themselves. So I think it opens the door for for them kind of having that knowledge a little bit, whereas other teams who don't cut that often are caught off guard when like, oh, somebody – like you're moving? You're right. not supposed to do that. <clears throat> well, all right. So let's dig into these matchups just a little bit. Um, you know, there's already been talk about – the fact that JaVale and Dwight really didn't play against the Rockets and that we may see a, a, a kind of a shift back to throwing a traditional center in the starting lineup. Now, to me, if I'm Denver, I would love to see that happen because Jokic doesn't mind a traditional center. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I don't – I'm not really – in it, it, the way I look at it for the Lakers because I – I know you may not agree with it, Dave, but I think for the Lakers, it's like, cool, we adjusted last series. Now we go back to our base. And if we need to adjust, we need to adjust. But again, they've they beat this team, you know, three times in the regular season with playing. Hey, we're going to play our big and things like that. I don't think they're not going to end that way. I think they're still going to go small to end the game and things like that. But for them, they want to kind of stay and stay with it. And I think the most important aspect about that, Dave, too, is like, you go in with your adjustment right away into game one. And if that doesn't work, you don't have the next adjustment. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like that's, that's a good point. You know, this is their, this is their thing. Let's see if, if what we did in the regular season works, you know, and let's see how it goes. And if it's, if it's, Hey, this is a real problem. We're going to sit those guys. At least we know with Vogel, he's going to make those adjustments and he's not afraid to do it and sit guys in that scenario. Seth, how do you feel about a feeling out game for the Lakers here? Like they've done it. Twice already, I think, where where they're kind of trying to just figure it out. Let's let's do this the easiest way. But I don't know that you can afford to lose a lose a game in the conference finals, even a team as talented as the Lakers, because you're not willing to throw your A game plan out there from day one. I think that the feeling out game is much more a thing of narrative convenience than it is like they played poorly in one game in each series, and it happened to be the first game of each series. Um, I would, I would much more say that. I would say, especially in the Portland series, where you know Portland had been you know at maximal intensity for a month, and the Lakers had been in preseason. Um, I think that has much more to do with that than 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 the other thing. And you know, so I don't, I, Should- I don't. Um, if they play poorly tomorrow, uh, today, when you're listening, um, that could happen. But I don't think it's like a, a lack of game plan or something like that. Yeah. Should, now, should should the Lakers be worried at all that, that the Nuggets are so hot? I mean, back-to-back 3-1 comebacks has never happened before. I mean, it, this might be the most confident basketball team on the planet. I mean, the Lakers shouldn't go up 3-1. Just simple. Take the take <laughs> yeah. the Nuggets' best weapon gotta, away from them. You got to <laughs> tank a game if you start to win it. Oh yeah. man! You know. So, all right. How do you guys feel about the guard play? Because you know, obviously, Jamal Murray. Uh, part of part of the Clippers' game plan was to try to take away Jamal Murray, and he struggled a little bit. And then they abandoned that to double Jokic, and that was a huge mistake. So, you know, what do you guys see the Lakers doing? To, to try to handle Jamal Murray. I, I don't know that they have anyone who's very well suited to guard him on ball, especially with Avery Bradley not around. So I think that the this is where um, the Lakers going big could – well, either the Lakers going big or if they do go big, have their, their traditional centers guarding Jokic instead of Millsap. I think where they could get them in trouble – is I think AD can can handle the contain on that pick and roll far better than than McGee or, or Howard can. Um, I think uh, against a number of different coverages, Murray has looked very comfortable, like making the right read in that pick and roll. And and uh, Davis it looks to be kind of the the biggest challenge in terms of having both size and mobility uh, in in that situation. So. If they have if they have a traditional big on Jokic, I think it's going to be a problem. Well, I think if, if Jokic will live at the free throw line, if it's Dwight and Javale, I mean he will just he will just invite them in, and if he can if he can get 
I don't know, Rondo or Caruso on a switch. And that's just, uh, again, I, I just think they play right into their hands if they, if they don't have Davis on Jokic, maybe they start a big, but I, I think you've got to guard Jokic with, with Davis to contain that. Well, again, to push it too, though, you also don't want to overstress AD early in the series. You know, you don't want him to get into foul trouble in the first quarter with with stuff. And then we can we can already put the tweet out there right now. Seth is going to be like, "Don't foul out your own players after he picks up two fouls in the first quarter." But like, you you don't want to kind of put that stress on him. You want to see it and and see how it goes. Honestly, their bigs have done a good job for the most part in their roles. In the way they've played, you know, McGee's done well. It's not like it's it's in the Houston series. It made sense to not play him, you, you know, but in this series, like it's not the worst case where it's like, hey, let's see what they got. It's not like they've been a, a defensive sieve all season, um, you know, and, and a problem. They've they've handled this and they know how to play in this scenario. So it's not like I'm that worried about it. I think with how they guard Murray is going to be the more interesting thing early on, because you know, I think it's going to start out either KCP or Danny Green's going to start out on him, right? And they got to try to get into the body and things like that. I think the most important thing there is just they can't die on screens. And they don't do it that often, but it happens. And sometimes it's just because the screen was so damn good. But they got to be in that constant communication with each other and knowing, you know, JaVale knows, okay, I got to step up and switch. And then Danny Green's got to take Jokic and things like that. My bigger concern for the Lakers more is, is when Jokic pops out because the way he's shooting the ball right now, you know, that's a bigger concern to me in the pick and roll overall for, for Jokic's game. Let, let's swing it to Denver's defense. Uh, obviously, um, stopping AD and LeBron is going to be a tough ask, right? I don't actually expect them to be able to. I think you it's more about containment. You got to keep those guys to what? 80 points, 85 points and then stop the rest of the dudes from beating you. Am I am I crazy here that they basically just need to play them play them straight up and, and just don't let the role players beat you? So I would I think I would um do nothing to discourage the Lakers from running that kind of mid-range kind of mid-post ISO slash post-up thing for AD. If they wanted to run that every time down the floor, um, I think you live as the Nuggets. I think you start you start rotating coverages, you start double teaming. That's when some of the other guys are are, are able to beat you and then maybe they, they – then the Lakers maybe go away from it and start doing things where AD gets the ball on the move. And if he's getting the ball on the move, they have they have, they have have no matchup there. Like there's no but there's nobody on on the Nuggets who have, like honestly like the best matchup for a, if AD's getting the ball in the move might be Mason Plumley and think about that right right <laughs> and, and and you know the way I look at it too that's the best way to get AD the ball is just on the move overall like I hate the mid post post ups with AD granted they seem to love it but you know I think it's just one of those things where it's like they kind of got to get away from that I they got to run a lot more pick and rolls and they got to get Jokic in the pick and rolls like that's the one thing. I thought the Clippers failed to do over and over again was putting Jokic constantly in pick and rolls. And whenever Porter comes in, putting him in pick and rolls, like that's the thing you got to make them defend. And, you know, it's not a matter of just like, okay, you're going to tire them out on the offensive end. No, but you're going to put Jokic in situations where he's going to pick up a foul or things like that. You know, he's, he's not adverse to, to, to dropping a stupid foul here and there or things like that. And it's a tough challenge in that scenario. So I think that's how the Lakers really got to attack. It's just got to be a lot of pick and rolls with whoever Jokic is guarding. And whether that's McGee or AD, I think, you know, to start the game, I think that's something they got to have a steady stream of diets and then mix in the post-ups for AD, mixed in a post-up for LeBron. I mean, the only time they're going to post up LeBron really is when they have Rondo in the game because he seems to be the only one that could throw the damn entry pass. And it almost feels like that's a league-wide problem, but that's a podcast for another day. (laughs) There's a reason Rondo is like playing crunch time minutes, and that's a big part of it, right? Like having a guy that can deliver that pass and do it without, you know, looking like he's never done it before is is a big deal. It's a luxury to have. But, But, you know, Back to the center thing, I think if you start Dwight or JaVale, you kind of give Jokic a guy to hide on. You know, you're, you're making his life easier. It's not like they're going to set a ton of screens with either one of those guys. 
Uh, uh, no, they will. They've done it all year. They've, I, set, I, they've set screens. But Jokic I mean, is just going to drop. Like he's not worried about those guys taking the pull up. So they will. They will actually alter their coverage, and he'll just drop and ignore them. I mean, you don't. You don't want to listen. Here's the mistake: dropping on LeBron and LeBron coming at you full speed is how you get into foul trouble. You don't want that. Like that's the mistake. It's not like LeBron's going to pull up for the mid range. He's just going to go. Cool. I have a runway, and now it's a batter, battle of athleticism. And you know. Sorry, Nuggets fans, cover your ears for a second. Earmuffs. Yo, I'm not sure he could jump over a dollar at this point. So how often does LeBron come hard off screens these days? And how often is it okay, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna come I'm gonna come off the screen, you're gonna switch, and then I'm gonna go at the go at the weak link. That seems like Maybe with maybe they run it with you know real verve with AD a lot, but a lot of this the, the the ball screening action they run for LeBron is just to try to get the weak defender on LeBron and then LeBron to operate rather than him directly working out of the pick and roll. Now it's not saying he can't do it, um, but it's, that's that that's sort of a pattern that I think certainly later in his career LeBron falls into some. So yeah, I think that that what? if he makes the adjustment and is start you know coming you know start doing the freight train thing off of every pick and roll then yeah you don't give him the runway but like make him figure that out before before you you do do a bunch of silly stuff to to open yourself up and put yourself in rotation in those other ways I mean if they I mean I don't think they're going to start out and switch against any LeBron pick and roll you know they're they're going to try to fight over those screens or go under probably should go under with just you know let him shoot you'll live with that in in that scenario but. Honestly, if if I, I just think as soon as he sees drop coverage, he's going to go. That's that's the thing, and it's it, or a crossback or things like that. Like he's just going to go attack if he sees drop coverage. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting series, and and you know, two good coaches that I'm really interested in seeing match up. Uh, we're going to talk about the Clippers' chemistry issues in a second, but first, guys, I had a lot of fun watching football over the weekend. Uh, it's kind of nice to have football back. And lucky for us, that was just week one. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like you never have before. Every run, every pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. It's a lot of fun. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Drown will... Drown load. Drown. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars. Don't miss out on the week two action. Enter code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN only at DraftKings. Make it rain, folks. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Guys, there's this funny thing about the NBA. And often when we watch a free agency move happen or a big trade happen, we all jump the gun quite a bit and we just look at the talent. We look at what happens on paper and we completely discount chemistry. And it appears as if the Clippers were sort of victims, if you want to call them that, of of our over-exuberance for the talent that they added to the talent that they already have. And they were victims of a lack of chemistry in, in their loss to the Nuggets. Now, I would argue the Nuggets are a really good basketball team, so no one should be completely shocked that they beat the Clippers, who are a flawed but good basketball team. Uh, how did you guys feel, first of all, just about how many players came out and mentioned a lack of chemistry? I mean, Mo, like you're... You cover this team. Were you shocked that all the players kind of admitted that? I a little bit shocked just because they went so hard all year saying that's not an issue. I mean, our very own Sam Amick and Jovan Buha had a great article in January talking about, hey, there are chemistry issues with this team. 
and people need to understand when we say chemistry issues, it's not like they didn't like each other. It's not like they actively hated each other or anything in the locker room or there was bad blood or, or things like that. It was just, they didn't seem together. And oftentimes it felt like this team, you know, was, Hey, we're, we're almost a, a, a pickup team. And some of this had to do with injuries. Some of it had to do with, uh, Kawhi going in and out of the lineup. Some of it had to do with they didn't practice that much. Some of it had to go to the, you know, picking up Morris at the trade deadline and then picking up Reggie Jackson and just never really being fully healthy. Like the one thing people kind of forget, the first time this team had everybody ready to go in the bubble was game one against Denver. Like that was the very first time. So, you know, that's a big issue. The thing that was shocking, and this is something that I've said a bunch over, you know, the beginning of the year was they just approached it as if chemistry didn't matter, as if everything will fall into place. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was like they didn't invest the time into building some sort of cohesion. And you can see it really in any time there's a blown pick and roll coverage. There's two guys pointing at the other guy, you know, or somebody like you weren't there. You missed that or things like that. You didn't have continuity you didn't some of that again was beyond their circumstances but they just didn't feel it more importantly it didn't feel like they cared and a lot of times it felt that way when you would talk to doc in the post-game press conferences so isn't this partially on doc and i understand there were some injury issues throughout the regular season but doc doesn't practice and i get that that endears you to veteran players but how do you expect to how do you expect to build continuity and chemistry if you're never playing together it just doesn't make any sense to me i mean they even did it in the bubble yeah i mean no they just don't practice a lot like it's just flat flat out obvious like it's just one of those things they thought top end talent were fine and I, and they were really one of the most more talented teams and everybody talked about their depth and they could go to this route and they can go this way when they got marcus morris it was a big oh they're definitely winning a championship and things like that it's it's all of those things. It's it's on Doc. You your job as a coach is to put the puzzle together, put the pieces together, and and complete the puzzle. And he just didn't do it. And that's such a that's such a big component to it. And it's a, it's a different thing when you're you already have an existing ecosystem and you add a supreme talent. So like Kawhi going to Toronto and being able to fit in seamlessly is a much easier ask than bringing Kawhi and Paul George and, you know, whoever else they brought over to the Clippers to try to throw it together for a one, you know, for this one year. And, I mean, I would even argue KD, right? Like KD to the Warriors. He just slides right in because you already have that system. Uh, it, it just, the Clippers did themselves no favors after getting the free agents. I mean, it just seems like, they just had this expectation that they were going to be able to talent their way to a title and the NBA doesn't work. Yeah. And I think that's the, the problem there was it almost felt like, Hey, we're done. Our work's done here. Once we got these guys, you know, and we'll just plug and play and it'll all work out. And I think they just, the most important thing is they offended the basketball gods. Right. And, (laughs) and, and, And that's the thing. Like you, they skipped the process. They skipped the, the, the important team building process. Look at the Lakers. Listen, they have great chemistry. They all get along with each other. They're all on the same page. They all know their roles. They don't have great top-end talent after AD and LeBron. And we're always going like, well, the other team's going to have the top five guys after those two in the series. You know, regardless what put in any team, you know, we're going to say that. And the thing is, they all know how to play with each other. They all know where the other guy is going to be. And they invested in developing that chemistry all year long. And it's, and it's paying off. They're in the conference finals at this point. I think when you look at the Nuggets, that's a team that had continuity, been together for three years. Maybe not the best chemistry, but I think it's an important aspect to it. And now look at Miami, who's in the conference finals. This was the perfect synergy, right? Like they they kind of just decided, they looked at that guy fits our culture. That guy is going to fit our heat culture, our militaristic attitude, our, our whole deal. And, you know, and he was the perfect fit, you know, and he worked in and, and he came in, embraced it and was ready to roll. And and the team is looking great at this point. So I think it's just, you know, flip it around. Boston two years ago when they brought in Kyrie, guy didn't fit in their system, didn't work out. Look what happened to them. They, they looked terrible last year. They looked like they all hated each other. They couldn't wait for that season to end. And then they add a guy 
who everyone has good chemistry with. And in spite of having less talent, you know, the Celtics had better results. You know, I, I just think like they lose Kyrie, they lose Al Horford, they put in Kemba Walker and Daniel Tice and the chemistry goes up while the overall talent maybe likely slightly drops. Although with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of taking a leap, I, I'm not sure we can do that. I just think that goes to the point sometimes that you do that. This is it. You know, sometimes you need to have sometimes it's better to have the team with less talent, better chemistry. Like just having talent doesn't solve everything. This is not, is this a thing? But here's the thing is it's very easy to, after the fact kind of, um, and credit to Mo, he was, he was on the, the Clippers kind of chemistry issues beforehand. Um, I don't at all agree at some of the notions that like fit over talent in broad terms. Like when you get to a certain point, you tweak that. That's where kind of the coaching and the lineups go together. Okay, how is – what can you do from a culture standpoint that's going to make a lineup with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell make sense? That's – those are – that's an incompatible group of players. So that that you can, you can work on building that culture together or you can deploy lineups that – get the most out of those players over the course of a 48-minute games rather, rather than just saying talent go. Um, I think I, I will agree with you that you do need to make the talent work, but it's better to have that talent in the first place than not. And the second part is I don't remotely agree with the notion that the Celtics are less talented this year than they were last year. Um, I don't think that there's much of a difference between, you know, where uh, Kyrie was last year and where Kemba was this year. And frankly, for 2019-20 basketball, Daniel Tice might be a better basketball player than Al Horford. So uh, from from that standpoint, you know. Well, I, that's not deniable. That Tice no. was better than Horford this year. Yeah. yeah. And, but and Horford, also like – And Gordon Hayward off being cliff? better this – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's also point. But, but but they also had better chemistry this year. You can't deny that they hated hated each other last year. They were also just better this year, so that has a way of of working these things out. So it's it's yes, the chemistry thing is important. The question is whether that's a leading or trailing indicator of success, and to some degree, it's both. And it, it's very tempting now to see, you know. They, what happened to the what happened to the Clippers, uh, which I think is explainable in other ways, which we'll get to in a moment, um, and say, oh, chemistry, um, uh, where you know they were a half of basketball three different times from being in the conference finals, um, and and so does that count as a game and a half? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it, 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 you know it's the only argument we need, Sean, to to uh, to get there. Well, all right, we've got to take a quick break. With a word from our sponsor, but we'll continue this conversation. I think Seth's got a little uh, thing for us, potentially. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah, everybody, hydrate your body, right? Hydration's back. All right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon-lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks, with no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC 
at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower that monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, the odds are you could probably reduce your payment and save by refinancing with earnest. Even if you refinance before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Check your, checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online. It only takes about two minutes. Then you get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. There's no origination fees or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves earnest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. That's pretty fantastic. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest at earnest.com slash hoops. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance your student loan at earnest.com slash hoops. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash hoops for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License Number 605478830332nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com licenses for a full list of licensed states. I want to know you to help you believe that. You're wiser than anything on earth. Use that intelligence. Look at me and know what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not your enemy. I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist who's trying to... Okay, so we're talking about the Clippers chemistry. Um, I want to talk about the Clippers conditioning. They got tired in the second half of these games. You can see it watching the games. You can see it in their jump shooting. They're... Uh, you know, relative to shot difficulty, Doc said all series, I thought we got great shots. And really the, the data bears it out. They just had no legs, couldn't make shots. Uh, they averaged shooting 20 points worse in the second half of games in this series on jumpers uh, relative to shot quality uh, than they had in first halves. Um, and that kind of leads to a bigger story I think we're seeing in in, in these playoffs is for the first time in, in the modern era, which I basically define as LeBron's career, uh, this is the first time ever the younger team uh, has won all four second-round series, all four conference finalists from the younger teams. Uh, the, the, the Heat uh, – sorry, the, um, the, the Celtics and Nuggets are among the youngest conference finalists across that entire span. Um, I'm wondering, my, is this a thing that, that youth is now served in the playoffs more than ever before? Or is this just a factor of some of the stuff we've talked about in the bubble? Uh, players flying around more, there being no travel, so so players have a little bit more energy, but there being only one day between games every time, so there's less recovery time for older players. Uh, the additional space around the court has, has, I think, allowed for a little bit more um, defensive aggression, I guess, since you're not worried about crashing into something. Um, so I'm wondering, is is this a thing that, that – Youth is being served more than ever before. I, I don't. I don't know if it is. You know, um, I think some of these cases, these teams were the better teams. You know, uh, Toronto, Boston was a toss-up. You know, the Lakers were the better team. Were, were a better team to me than the Rockets. Like they were supposed to win that series. Denver's, Denver and and Miami are the big upsets. Although a lot of people, uh, shout out to Zach Harper and and ruining your fun on buds there, Dave. Uh, kind of we're picking Miami just because based on matchups and things like that, you know, Denver was probably the bigger upset there. I think overall though, I'm not sure how much of it is a thing because uh, it, it's funny how we go back and forth. Okay. No travel means the guy should have more legs and be more rested. Okay. There's one game in between games. That's the normal travel schedule anyways, during the second round, you know, for games five, six and seven, you're you're flying out. You're playing the next day. You're you're flying out that evening. You're playing. You're you're recovering the next day, and then you're playing. So it's it's not like it's 
I don't know if the if it's so much that as much as these were just the better teams. The better teams won those series, like you know, except for Toronto, Boston, which was kind of a toss up, but also the hail mary from OG Ananobi made it a a seven game series. I mean, that could have been a sweep for all, if that shot doesn't. It's go also in. it's not just the second round of the playoffs. It's been a constant every other day for two months. Um, and, and which is, you know, uh, more unusual than, than, than a regular schedule. And those, and again, with players able to, because of the travel and because of maybe the lack of flights, but also probably the, um, better sleep habits, um, having just more get up and go, but then not having as much recovery time. Um, I've heard from, from stories of players in, in the bubble saying they felt great until they didn't basically. Uh, in the bubble based on not having that that kind of time to to recover. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying, Mo. And I think I think Mo is right. I think the league itself has more good young players than possibly ever before. And I mean good as in like they could they could win a, a finals like <laughs> as the best player on the team. I mean they're in just in this playoff right now, uh Jason Tatum uh, Jalen Brown, obviously this is not on the same level as Jason Tatum, but I'm just saying the, the young guys really leading the charge for their team, Bam Adebayo, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. And that's even not even pointing out the role player guys like Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson. I mean, the league is just more talented overall. And so much of this talent under the age of 25 is game ready early. Like, I mean, Luka Doncic in his second year was a legitimate MVP candidate, all NBA first team. And like, I don't know that I can be surprised anymore by how good these young guys are. I mean, I've discounted, I discounted Miami's young guys way too much. Let it get the best of me when looking in the playoffs, because I just never thought they were going to produce. I didn't think they would be asked to produce. And then they're running plays in freaking crunch time for Tyler Hero. So it's possible that just young players are better than they were 10, 15 years ago. Or the way the game is being played now, they're given the opportunity to be better. And I think this, this ties into the other piece of this is um, it, we, haven't, we haven't been able to, to research this going back because it's, it's less easy to find. But all four coaches, Frank Vogel is the, only, is the oldest coach in the conference, head coach in the conference. Well, he's 49. Uh, no, sorry. He's forty-seven. Eric, Eric Spolster is forty-nine. Is the yeah Spolster? He is mad at you for uh, he is me. mad at you for adding those two years. By the way, Vogel's yeah. ears just perked uh, up somewhere I'm, in Orlando. I'm sorry, Frank. Uh, Eric Spolstra, excuse me, is is forty-nine. Is the oldest of the which is you know he's been the Heat coach forever and he's forty-nine. Uh, what have any of us done with with our lives? One might ask. Um, so you, why are you trying to cut yeah, us? Yeah, deep I know. <laughs> so, but you you have you the the, the younger coaches, the more um, flexible approaches to the game. I'm wondering if that is is goes hand in hand with what Dave is talking about with the young talent, because in the past, like, does Tyler Hero get those chances regardless of how he is, or are we, or, or is it a team like? I don't know the Clippers that is relying on the 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 what I like to call the veteranosity of certain players, even if uh, I don't know a guy named Zubac is better than than the guy you you are you are trotting out there instead because of he because of his having paid dues. Um, so I'm I'm again I'm wondering is this a blip? Is this a bubble only thing or is this a thing? Well, so we talked about this before we started recording. Kind of like you didn't tell us the thing that you wanted to talk about, which I, I like as a nice surprise. But we did talk about the uh, the coach's age. And uh, in 2017, the Harvard Sports Analy- uh, Analysis Collective did a report that's basically said the NBA coaches are getting older. And I do think that what we're doing, what we're seeing is a almost a generational gap where the older coaches do rely on those veterans. You know, you're Mike D'Antoni's. Your Doc Rivers rely on their veterans big time. And uh, for Mike D'Antoni, it's a shorter rotation. It's, you know, there's a lot of things there. Uh, but all four of these coaches have have used the youth to get where they are and really relied heavily on their youth. So maybe there's something to that. There's a coaching generational gap as well. Grant Williams is closing games for Boston. 
Yeah. I mean, that some of that is due to like Tice fouling out, but still, like, this is a positionless rookie that, you know, couldn't make a shot to start the year. And he's, but because he does certain things well, you know, Brad Stevens is like, nope, he's useful. I think it's a willingness to experiment more, you know, and go outside the box with these guys. I mean, look, Spolstra was the first one to go with positionless basketball for the most part in the heat days, you know, in his younger days. Uh, He's about, he's going to be 50. So I'm going to get to try to take those shots in and he doesn't know who the hell I am. So that's fine. Um, You know, but he was willing to experiment with that stuff and it paid off. You know, I think that's something we've seen with Brad Stevens. Like you talked about Vogel has no problem changing lineups and things like that. We saw that in the Houston series, you know, um, yeah, I mean, where? What? He didn't play all year. He didn't play all year, Seth. It, I forgot he was on the damn team. Uh, you know, and he put him in a big game. You know, you have uh, Mike Malone, who's also been around for a very long time with his father as a coach and things like that. So I think there's a there's a willingness with all these guys to kind of create. It's funny. Malone's probably the one who who, who if I had to bet, would be more veteran centric just because of how he handled Porter all year and then just had to play him because guys were, they only brought 12, shoot, like six guys. I also think part of that was organizational trying to make sure that, that Porter was healthy too. So like, I don't want to give him too much, you know, guff for not playing Porter early. No, he, no, no, he, he, I mean, it was, it was in games. You would see it as soon as he had a defensive error, you wouldn't see him for the rest of the game. And like, I, I, cause I saw it, literally in two or three games when I've watched them play the Lakers and like he would have a good offensive game going, but he would be terrible defensively and then no second half minute. So it's, that's a Malone thing. And that's like, he's the one guy I would say of these four who's kind of more. But we watched him stick with Paul uh, Millsap, even though Millsap looked like he had nothing left against Utah. Yeah. You know, and so I think there's some of that. In, in, in all of this. So, you know, I think just the younger crew, though, I think the younger coaches are uh, more willing to experiment as Seth rubs his forehead in disgust no, of no, what no, I'm no. saying. I don't think that's what that was. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so as we wrap up here and uh, look ahead to the, the last few weeks of this season that has been, you know, basically a year long. Uh, what's on your mind this week, Seth? Switching to off the court, um, I think it's uh, yesterday as we're recording this on on uh, Wednesday. The Sacramento Kings uh, named their new head of basketball operations uh, as Monty McNair, who was formerly the assistant GM of the Rockets. Um, for a lot of it's talked about the influence of analytics in the NBA. This is the first person to really directly come out of the analytics space and become a head decision maker. Probably since Daryl Morey, um, there's been other other head decision makers who are data driven and numbers curious, but in terms of someone who's actually been on the sort of production end of it, uh, I mean, you can argue about Sam Hinkie, you can argue about Rich Cho, you can argue about Daryl, but really for a guy who's 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 been in there cleaning data, building models, all that good stuff back, you know, in his early years in the league, this is the. Fr- at least the first one in a while and maybe the first one ever. Um, so I don't know what that, 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 that means. He's certainly a guy who is, who has uh, learned his way around basketball. He's, he's traveled with the team um, over the last, uh, over the, when traveling with the team was the thing for the, for the last year with the Rockets. Um, you know, he, and he's kind of worked his way up the ranks. So he, he knows the, all the operations of basketball. So it's not just a guy with a spreadsheet, but that's, he's really one of the first people to come out of that world and become the lead decision maker. It'll be interesting to see the Kings making data driven decisions. I, I, I think that, you know, I hate to say it's going to be, there's going to be a microscope on him as a GM, given his analytics background, but there likely will be. And if he's not able to turn that around in the next three years, I I, I worry about, you know, how people are going to treat it. I mean, we are already seeing, you know, the, the whole Philadelphia situation where somehow analytics is being blamed for signing Tobias Harris and Al Horford. And I, I can't wrap my head around that. Mo, uh, what, what's on your mind this week? Chess. This is, this is the fun part of the playoffs here. I'm, Looking at all the chess moves, we're going to be having a lot of fun uh, 
with, you know, tonight we were recording on Thursday tonight. We have Miami Boston game two. So we're going to get to kind of see the adjustments, things like that. Maybe uh, the adjustment is Tice don't foul um, or, or get fouls called on you. Maybe that's it. Who knows? But we're going to see some wrinkles here that are going on. And we have two great coaches there between, you know, Spolstra and Stevens. I think same thing with, you know, we talked about it, Denver Lakers, how they're going to match up. What are they going to do? And, you know, we're, for the next week, it's all about adjustments and how do you react to things. And I think that is really going to be fun to watch and, and something I'll be keeping my eye on, as well as all the cuts. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think this is a bubble thing. And we talked about this ahead of the bubble. I felt that coaching was going to be amplified. And the good coaches were really going to make more of a difference for their teams than than normal. Uh, we're seeing that. The four coaches that are left have really done a great job all year long, but in particular in the bubble. I mean, Eric Spolster has been putting on a coaching clinic all playoffs. And I, I think that for people that want to learn more about basketball and how it how it could look and how it can be like football as far as the X's and O's go and, and, and coaches really influence the game, the next few weeks in the NBA – are really going to highlight what it what we could have, you know, if if the league made a few changes here and there to allow a little bit more strategy. But I've been really enjoying the, the coaching in in the bubble. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we will of course be back next week, and it's crazy, but the finals are coming, and so we'll be here the whole time. Uh, we'll talk to you guys then. Don't forget, we're running a great special over at the Athletic. So go there. You can sign up for a buck a month, dirt cheap. See you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.